0: did that because at Huntsville Christian Church, I'll get into this a little bit later, we, uh, uh, we've we been in the, in the community just over 60 years, but I remember I had people that gave me different dates, and so we actually celebrated turning 50 two years in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing, I was like, yeah, 50 years, we pushed into this big celebration, and then afterwards one of the founding members that came back said, hey, just so you know, you're a year early, we're only 49 this year, next year's 50. <laughs> I not that's a trial run. We're going to celebrate again because we like to celebrate things. So I want to celebrate with you guys. Whether it's 95 or 96 or 97, that doesn't matter, right? Because because to God, the time is, is an infinite thing. But the fact that you guys have been here, that, that you have not only have been in this community for such a long time, but there are still... Some some family members from the founding group of charter members. That uh, you sang the song, brother, about the, the the building blocks and the foundation. I was like, oh man, that's good. If, if you're connected somehow with with those founding members, we just stand up real quick. Like like if you had a great great grandfather or or you're whoever that is, that's man, that's awesome. That's good stuff. And this brings me to that whole place. You guys can sit down. and You can stand up the whole time if you want to. So I'm not the only one standing. That's okay. You know there there there's a there's a hymn. It talks about let those who, who come behind us find us faithful, right? And, and so, like you said, man, those, all those names you listed, brother, nobody, they didn't know who was going to be in this room 96 years later. But they, but they were faithful. And then they carved out blocks. They carved out the lumber. <laughs> so some of the founding, the, the beams that are holding this building up are 96 years old. And I was like, man, I love history, I love that kind of stuff, and so you guys, you have a legacy here that that's generational, it's generational faithfulness to God over the years, and that's deep roots, um, y'all have a history in this community of being generous to folks when they're in need, which is which is good, because in, in Acts, that's what the Bible said, right? When there was a need, people's needs went, and they, they met those needs, and, uh, with the missions you support, again, generosity is, is, is a word on its own that describes Cross Plains Church. You guys have had a hand over the last 96 years in many different lives that are, that are a part of full-time ministry today because of, of those grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents 96 years ago. It's kingdom legacy stuff. That's something to celebrate. I mean, you just clap it up. Celebrate it. That's why we're here. That's, that's stuff that people didn't see coming. They just were faithful in the moment to, to build a foundation and to tell the next generation. And 96 years later, you're still doing the same thing. Uh, and so, so I just want to say well done to, to staying true to, to the gospel. In case I haven't met you yet, my name is John Lancaster, as just said um i I gotta again clear the air on a couple things jeff called me a while back and he said hey can you help me out brother i said sure i'd love to help you out i'm i'm a servant right i want to help you out i'll do anything you ask he said hey we're looking for somebody really dynamic to come and preach our homecoming in july but all the other guys i called aren't available would you be able to come you come hang out with us for a minute (laughs) jeff keeps me humble (laughs) i said well all right i said sure i'm just glad to be invited you know i don't i don't mind um, and it's a uh, I, really I love Jeff. We talk we talk back and forth a lot. I've, I've been married to an amazing woman Her name is Mitzi and uh, we're both PKs uh, My wife and I she grew up as a preacher's kid and I grew up as a pagan kid All right, um, and that's true that Jeff can tell you Peyton can tell you that's truth right there um, I actually uh, we'll, we'll talk about some of the way I grew up at, later on um, But I want to share this with you when you talk about legacy when you talk about about God doing things in the lives of people only in God's time and plan could the two of us have ever come together, okay? Um, I definitely am in the Married Up Club, men. If you're in the Married Up Club, you can say amen. That's okay. God has blessed you with a woman, uh, and and she's been amazing. We've been married for 24 years. We've been together for 26 years. I'm pretty sure in all that time, about eight of them have been really good for Mitzi. They've all been great for me, <laughs> but, but I'm a little bit I'm a little bit uh, rambunctious, so I, you know, I kind of press those, the envelope sometimes. Um but uh, we have one son, his name is Dylan, he's 20 years old, he's a sophomore in, in college in Birmingham, uh, and just a couple of things, as, as I, I did say, I grew up as a pagan kid, uh, and, and so just a few things you should know about me, uh, just so you kind of know my passion, my heart, um, I have worked all kinds of jobs. If, if you call out a job, I probably did it, okay, um, or was associated on, on the job site with somebody who did it. Um, I ran with a carnival when I was in junior high, 6th and 7th grade, I ran with a carnival, okay? Um, and this is all, and I promise you, I'll tell you when I'm lying or when I'm exaggerating something, but this is all truth about me. Um, ran with a carnival I was in junior high. I was homeless when I was 16 in high school. I came home beginning of summer after my sophomore year, uh, or excuse me, after my junior year, and there were a bunch of trash bags sitting out front, and I said to my dad's girlfriend, I said, wow, the trash man's going to be busy tomorrow, because it was trash day. She said, no, that's your stuff. We thought it would just be best if you moved out. That was in Miami, Florida, and so so I was. I spent six months living out of a car, living in on in, in homeless as a 16 year old in Miami, Florida. Okay, and and these are the things that have shaped me to, to who I am. It's the reason that I'm so passionate about things like intentional relationship and about not being alone and stuff like that. And so, um, it, but in the meantime, I'm an overcomer, right? My junior year of high school, that was before I got kicked out. I completed all levels of the Wilton's cake decorating class. Come on, yeah. yeah. I found myself in Duggar, Indiana in the middle of winter, and there was nothing to do, but a friend of mine's mom owned the ice cream shop, and she was doing these cake decorating classes, and we like cake, so my buddies went, and we went through all those. I got degrees at Wilton's Cake Decorating. Jeff is never going to talk. He's going to make fun of me now. He didn't know that about me. Um, I graduated from clown school. True story. Uh, I'm, a, I'm actually a, a member of Central Florida World Clown Alley, number uh, 158, and so uh, I, I haven't done that in many years, but it's something I did. Uh, in that same time frame, I was, I was a bull rider. I was a barrel clown uh, in some local rodeos in, in Wachula, Florida, and, and some of the areas around there for a short time. Uh, I trained exotic animals. I, I lived with and trained lions, tigers, and bears. Oh, my. Uh, yeah, uh, that, that's all true stuff. But while I did that, I worked on different movie sets, um, and so, so I've met different people. I've traveled all over the place um and i did all those things before i was 23. um uh the year i turned 23 actually when i turned 20 i kind of started going back and and i started to get involved and and by the time i was 23 i knew that i was being and and so i went to the people um that i was working with in the exotic animal business and i said hey uh, it was in december i said hey in august i'm going to bible college and they were like seriously I said, "Yeah." They were like, "But all this can be yours. Like I was, they're gonna sign me over. They were, like, I was in the will for this couple to the company that they ran, and uh, they said, this is yours though." I said, "I know, but I need to do this." And they fired me on the spot. <laughs> they were like, "Get your stuff." I said, "No, but I'm not going till August." They're like, "Nope, you're gone now." And so I was like, "Oh, okay, that's uh, okay because God, God provided." So at 24, I went to Bible college, and I. I don't, know, I don't know what you felt about Bible college, you, Peyton. I don't know what you felt about Bible college, but for me, it was the best seven years of my life, okay? <laughs> I, um, I know, I know, a, a lot of people go to college for seven years. They're mostly doctors, okay? But what can I say? I'm a slow learner, but, but God has been patient with me, and, and I've learned a lot. And something I know is this, you can learn about, a lot about your present by remembering your past. Um, one of the things i love I'm, I'm 50 years old I'll be 51 in august i love being in this place in ministry where i'm talking with someone in the community that doesn't know me and they're they're in that place and, and maybe they're homeless or maybe they're they're having a, a thing with their with their family or, or they've been divorced or something and they they go well preacher you just don't know what it's like you don't know what it's like to live in your car and i'm like i laugh at them and they're like it's not funny i said i oh, know it's not it's just, You think I don't know what it's like because you see that I work in this church and that I drive this car, and you think I don't know what it's like, and so you've made an assumption about me, and you've made a judgment call about me, and you're wrong. I know exactly what it's like to, to be homeless. I'm the product of divorce. My parents got separated when I was eight years old, and at the time, they actually waited until I was 18 to get divorced because in uh in florida there were these different laws and and you had to pay for counseling and you had to pay into a child safety act and there was all this stuff and my parents were like we don't want to we don't want to pay all that money and so my parents they said they they said this and they lied they're like we're legally divorced or legally separated we're legally separated like i found out later there's no such thing they decided not to live under god's law anymore and they they separated but in that my mom after when i turned 18 i turned 18 in august she got married in December, all right? My dad actually walked her down the aisle because my parents loved each other. They just had issues and couldn't live together, um, which that was crazy. <laughs> I come from a long line of dysfunction, all right? But, but my mom, my stepfather, Sam, passed away a few years after they got married. And my mom was married four other times after that because she couldn't be happy alone, all right? My dad never remarried. He just kept having living girlfriends that would ruin his life for a season. He'd bring somebody else back in. My point to all that is people will say because of who they know me as now, but you don't know what that's like. So, oh, yeah, I do. I know exactly what it's like. And, and people are going to look at you, and they're going to look at this church of people who have it all together, and they go, well, you don't know what it's like. And you get to laugh. That's right. Oh, yeah, we do. We've had pain. We've had suffering. We've spent time in the wilderness. Have you all been in the wilderness at Cross Plains? Yeah, probably a couple of times over 96 years, if, if we're honest, that you've been in the wilderness. I'll tell you this, you can remember your past. And or you can learn a lot about your present by remembering your past. And, and that seems kind of like a weird construct. But we're going to look at this through the lens of the Israelites coming out of Egypt. I know Jeff's been preaching through the Bible, so not too long ago he was preaching through Exodus. So you're going to hear some things that are kind of familiar. And as we get started today, I'm going to be preaching from mostly Exodus chapter 15 and 16, if you want to turn there. Uh, And this is a place where the Israelites, they're in the wilderness. Um, We're going to be looking at at this section of of the Israelites' time as it's the present for them, okay? Something I've realized in living life is that at any given time, our present reality can actually be our wilderness, okay? Uh, I realized that also to To preach on the exact present would be really hard to prepare for unless I could have in the past gone to the future so that I would know what was going on today so that today in the present I could say exactly what, but that's confusing. So I decided I would just share with you how after coming out of the bondage of slavery, this time that the Israelites are in the wilderness was their present situation. And I want you to think on this and and kind of just stay with me because my mind's a little bit weird and I got to think and if, if, if I can have this conversation about the Israelites, Share their past as their present, then you guys can do the same thing here in Cross Plains every Sunday. As you come together in the present, remember your past, be faithful like those who came before you were faithful. And we're gonna talk about what that looks like, okay? And so I need to tell you, we're at we're this place, like I said, the Israelites have, have come out of, of slavery, they have just crossed the Red Sea. And actually, the Red Sea has collapsed in on Pharaoh and his army. So this is kind of a big deal. The Bible says that they saw the power of the Lord and believed. And I read that, and I think, because the ten plagues weren't enough, right? God brings them and crosses them through the Red Sea on dry land, and then they see the power of the Lord and believe. And and there's a song that happens. They sing this song to God about him delivering them out of slavery. And and this takes up like the first 21st verses of Exodus chapter 15. This is not like row, row, row your boat, sung in rounds. This is real wide open worship. they They have seen the power of God, they believe, and there's this song. And you have to know all that to appreciate what's coming next. But before we get into that, I just want to pray for a second. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for my brothers and sisters, my extended church family here at Cross Plains. I thank you for those who have come before them. Who, who laid physical foundation, who laid spiritual foundation. And Lord, as we celebrate 96 years of being in this community, um, I just, I just want to invite you in. Uh, I want to make sure that, that, that your, your spirit is in us and, and amongst us. Lord, I thank you for your love, for your goodness, for your mercy. Help us to use those things so that we can have a better understanding for one another, for this community, and for what you would have us do here in Cross Plains, Georgia, or in Carrollton, Georgia. Lord, I ask that you uh, that what we do as we look at your word today, um, that, that, that we would honor you. Uh, I also ask that that your word would change us and that we would put aside any notion that we think we have a right to change your word. And, and so I just pray that these things would ring true and that you would be honored. It's in your son's name I pray, amen. I want to read Exodus 15, 22 through 27. And then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness of Shur and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah for they were bitter. Therefore it was named Marah. And so the people grumbled at Moses saying, what shall we drink? And then he cried out to the Lord. The Lord showed him a tree and he threw it into the waters and the waters became sweet. There he made for them a statute and regulation and there he tested him. And he said, and this is, what the, this is what the Lord said, If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your healer. That's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord is your healer. And they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 date palms. And they camped there beside the waters. And what we see here in this present moment, if you will, is this: that God, Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide, He acts. They come out of Israel and and they get thirsty and they start complaining about not having water. And God provides. He said, "Hey, throw this branch in the water. The water's clear." But just around the corner, there were there were twelve. Uh, 12 springs of water and 70 date palms, just just a little bit longer. But in their present moment, they didn't know what was around the corner. Have you been there? In your present moment, you don't know what's around the corner, so what do we do? We complain, God, how could you let this happen? Well, I got some springs and some date palms around the corner. Just, just hold on. No, they wanted instant gratification because that's what we look for. And so he asked Moses, hey, throw that, throw that branch in the water. It'll be clear. It'll be, It'll be pure. And you'll hear me read that verse about minding God's statutes again later. But God, he acts and he sustains and he provides for us in the present. And he does it sometimes even when we don't let him or when we don't ask him, which is another amazing thing about our God. But the thing we should always remember is that the present is temporary. Right. Brothers and sisters, for Christians, it's our future that's eternal. Our present, today is temporary. It's not, it's not lasting forever. The only thing that's lasting forever is eternity, right? And so, same thing. The Israelites got caught up in this moment. Oh, we're thirsty. Oh, that's too bad. It's okay to be thirsty. It's not okay to be thirsty without God. It's okay to be thirsty with God. Because right around the corner, there's 12 springs and 70 day pumps, right? Come on. <laughs> the thing we need to remember, the present is temporary. It's our future that's eternal. Our future with God is eternal. So, folks, when you get two or three days without water, like Israel did, don't start grumbling against the God who just provided you with your freedom. That's the thing that blows my mind about this whole story about the Israelites. God just delivered them, right? Using the ten plagues, crosses the Red Sea, and the Bible says they saw and feared God, and then they're gonna complain to him. Oh, wait a minute. What? <laughs> We're thirsty. Look, I'm just happy to be here. You're out of slavery. We're out of bondage. We're out of being mistreated, being whipped, all these things. He did all that, and they're thinking, oh, well, he's he's not going to give us a drink. You been there? See, because when we stop looking at our past and seeing where God provided for us in our past, we start grumbling in our present. And when we start grumbling in our present, that just messes up our future. Because that's where Satan steps in. He takes that, that present grumbling of no water, and you can insert whatever it is you think you deserve right at this moment in life. When you don't have it and you start to grumble, you start to get a little bit off, off step, Satan takes that as a foothold, and he just starts pushing you farther and farther away from God. And we see that's why the Israelites wandered in the desert 40 years, because they couldn't trust God. And so that's no matter, it. No matter what you may go through, there's... hey. 12 springs and seventy date palms were just around the corner. Another day, would they have been really thirsty? Yeah, but I guarantee you, he wasn't going to bring them to those 12 springs to let them dry up when the first round of people got their water out of them. No matter what you may go through as a church, no matter what you may go through as an individual, I want to encourage you, do not allow the wilderness time of your present to distract you from the amazingness of his future plans for you. All right? If this only happened once to the Israelites, I might not be so preachy about it. But when you look through the 40 years of time that they spent in the desert, man, it just it, it just kept going, right? In, in verse 1, the end of verse 1 in chapter 16, where the Lord provides manna. listen to this. I'm going to read verse, uh, chapter 16, verses 1 through 21. They set out from Elam, and they all all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of sin. And, and I actually... When I was rereading this this morning, I said, Peyton, look up Exodus 16.1 and read that to me. Because I thought in my retyping of stuff, I thought that I'm, I'm, I'm dyslexic. And so I get words backwards in my sermons and stuff. And I thought maybe I left off something. I thought I was supposed to write the wilderness of Sinai or something like that. And that verse 1 says, they set out from Elam and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of sin. And I was like, whoa. That, that brought a whole new spot to me in that moment, because he delivered them from slavery. He's blessed them with the water and the date palms and stuff, and then it says they're they're in the wilderness of sin. I'm pretty sure that's not a physical location, folks. (laughs) But then it says it's between Elam and Sinai, so it is a physical location. And somebody knew this was a pretty desolate place, if we're going to call it the wilderness of sin. On the 15th day of the second month, after they had departed from the land of Egypt. So two months and 15 days, and the whole congregation of the people of Israel began grumbling again. Not even, you know, you you get a job, you got a 90-day probationary period. They didn't even make the 90-day probationary period, right? They'd come come out of slavery. (laughs) They didn't even get to the 90 days. Two months and 15 days in, they start grumbling again against Moses and against Aaron uh, in the wilderness. Verse three says, the people of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. What happened to not, not quite three, three months ago, you saw the power of the Lord and you were afraid and you worshiped him. And now you're talking bold, folks. Have you done it? Have you forgotten? And And the other thing they did, they're looking back. They're looking back at slavery and saying it's better than being free. They're looking back. They're going, well, at least while we were there, our bellies were full. What? No. You brought us out here to kill the whole assembly so You're going to starve us to death. The Lord said, okay. He said to Moses, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you. The people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. He's, he's trying to prepare them. He's trying to get, just trust me. And he says on the sixth day, they can prepare what they bring in and it will be twice as much as they gather daily. And so Moses said to all the people of Israel, at evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, when the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat and in the morning bread to the full, Because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. That's a strong statement. And that's something I want you to remember. When people start to complain about something that's happening, I I met with some of your leadership team last night. I said, listen, people have all kinds of opinions about stuff. But when they really start complaining, don't take it personal. Because they're they're complaining against the Lord. If you're not being immoral or illicit and, and you are leading... This group of people, if you're leading this congregation to the best of your ability, spiritually, physically, mentally, and, and then, then it's not against you. Now, if you made a mistake, we talked about that, too. There's, there's, things, to, there's, there's things you need to do uh, to make things right. But, but most of the time, it's our personal preference that causes us to grumble against the leaders, just like what happened here with Moses and Aaron. And the reality is we're grumbling against the Lord. And it's not worth it, folks. Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning dew lay around the camp. When the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, finest frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? They didn't know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. Even in your complaining, in your present day complaining, the Lord said, hey, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to sustain you. I'm going to take care of you. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each of you. As much as he can eat, you shall take an omer according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. The people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as they could eat. Let no one leave any of it over until morning. Verse 20 is a very sad verse. They did not listen to Moses. They tried, they tried to keep some extra, Right? This whole thing is God saying, trust me each day. Trust me in the present. They kept extra. They didn't listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning. And by morning, it bred worms and stank. If you're holding on to some stuff that you need to let go, it's going to breed worms and it's going to stank. That's a good Alabama word. It stank. God's saying, trust me in the present. Be faithful in the present. Start by being faithful to me. Start by trusting me. What you need, your needs will be met. Now, now, hey, Israel, there's a difference between what you need and what you want, right? They needed bread. They needed meat. God provided it, but they, they wanted a cupboard full. But They didn't need a cupboard full. They needed a present day's worth. Sometimes we, we, we think too highly of ourselves when it comes to Christianity and the Lord and what we think we should have. And God said, you don't need more than what I'm going to provide you with to sustain you this time. They didn't listen. And it bred worms and it stank, and Moses was angry. Moses got angry a lot. I think, I think Moses is like my spirit animal. <laughs> I, bet had red hair. I bet he did. <laughs> morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. When the sun grew hot, it melted. Listen, how... How is it that in our present moments we are so quick to forget the God who delivers us and the God who provides us? Chapter 17, they do it again. They start grumbling because of water. They allow their present physical need to distract them from a future spiritual blessing. That later on in, 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 in Exodus, they're, they're complaining so much, God sends snakes into the camp. Poisonous snakes. Not like cute little garden snakes and stuff. Poisonous snakes. Poisonous snakes. They're biting people, and they're killing people. Oh, and then, and then they go, oh, wait, we didn't mean it. What do we do? And Moses makes this bronze thing and puts it up. If you get bit by a snake, look on it. You'll be healed. You know, Again, it's, it's, it's faith. It's provision. Is this you? Is this how your relationship with God looks? This type of thing happens. It happens to Christians. It happens to churches. Listen, it happened to Huntsville Christian Church. God allowed us to go through a wilderness period, and I think it was because we lost sight of what was important. Like Israel, we got to a place where we were allowing our present personal preferences and issues to distract us from future spiritual blessings. Uh, like Israelites, we became murmurers as a, as a church. Some even became gossips and slanderers. Dissension was being stirred up. And it wasn't bold. Nobody was, was doing it bold. It was all behind the scenes kind of stuff. But it was happening. And let me tell you something if you ever wonder if God is paying attention, you start messing with his church. You mess with his bride and you'll see where he is. You may just find yourself in the desert, Israel. Sometimes we go to the desert. God uses that time in our life to prepare us for the future, for something better, for the promised land. He said to the Israelites just after the first water grumbling incident, Exodus fifteen twenty six If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes, and give your ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. For I'm the Lord your healer. That goes for us too, right now, in your present. If you give earnest heed to the Lord, you do what's right in his sight. You give ear to his commands. You keep his statutes. He will provide. He will heal. He will show you the way through your present wilderness, whatever it may be. If you're like me, you've probably asked at times, like Gideon, for a sign. I often say things like, well, can you just send me a text message, Lord? So I, I told you I'm, I'm a slow learner. <laughs> a message in the stars, let me know. God sustains his people in the wilderness. And, and with the Israelites, he led them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And I would think that you walk out of your tent in the morning and you see this pillar of cloud, right? This, this, this cloud just swirling around. Would you look at that cloud and start whining about not having water? (laughs) You go out at night before you go there, this pillar of fire, and and it's protecting you. It's it's what kept the the Egyptian soldiers from advancing on them was this pillar of fire. You would look at that and complain about not having some food or or not having water or or being alone or or what? Wow. It it happens. Stained his people. He provided manna from heaven. He provided quail. He provided water. Today, we caught a glimpse of Yahweh providing in the present. I want to be transparent with you. We say hindsight is twenty twenty. My wife, Mitzi, and I, we've been serving at Huntsville Christian Church for 15 years, and that's not a long time. But we've seen God provide for his congregation. The, the last, I think the last 15 years of serving at Huntsville, and, and I consider... Like I said, we're right around, uh, I think we're 63 years old. You guys are 96 years old as far as a church goes. And you've been in this community. And uh, how I saw some of the events that took place that that were part of our time in the wilderness, um, I celebrate it now because of where we are. But I would tell you, in the wilderness, depending on God to provide in the present every day, man, that stretches you. It changes you. I know God has held his, held his congregation in his hands. He's provided in the past. He continues to provide in our present, and he will continue to provide for both Huntsville Christian Church and Cross Plains in the future as long as we are in our present seeking to honor him first. I think about the last 15 years, I can't help but think of other people from Scripture like David and Moses and Gideon and Esther that at just the right time God raised up leaders. I don't know what he's done in the last 96 years, but but in the next 96 years, if you look around, you need to raise up leaders. I, I, I can say this because I'm 50. I got my first invitation to the AARP. I have one of my deacons at church. He's, he's in his 80s. He goes, hey, welcome to the old folks club. I said, man, that's awesome. If you're older, Scripture says it. Older men and women need to be investing in younger men and women. Presently, today, so that another 96-year legacy can be continued. And at just the right time, God is going to raise up leaders. And if you're thinking, well, I'm not that leader, I don't know. Maybe not today. But you start that preparation today by committing to grow in his word, by by allowing the older people and and the people in this building to be accountable to you. Because one day, some of you young men, some of you young women that are in here, and by young, that's if you're 49 and under, apparently, okay? So so I got everybody's attention now, right? (laughs) You young men and women, you're going to be those leaders that are going to be raised up to lead at Cross Plains Christian Church at just the right time. Listen, you'll have to lead through times of uncertainty. Present leaders, elders, deacons, Jeff, Peyton, you're going to lead through times of uncertainty. Uh, we had an uncertain time. It was about two and a half years after I was at Huntsville Christian Church. And, uh, and it wasn't anything, um, it was nothing scandalous, right? Our senior minister was, was just burdened with, with a change in a season of life, and he actually retired from ministry, and he went out to Papua New Guinea to work with Pioneer Bible Translators and translate the New Testament into, and I don't even know what the language is that they speak in Papua New Guinea. In Guinea? I don't know, but he... That's what he's done for the last 13 years now. So it wasn't like there was something scandalous. But he'd been there 12 years, and when he left, a bunch of people said, well, we don't want to search for another minister. And, and we went from a church of just under 300 people, and I'm not kidding, within a couple of weeks, there were like 65 people just walked away because they didn't want to go through searching for another minister. And I was like, okay. Uh, and then we had um, our, our worship minister left. And um, there was was a little bit of little bit of drama there, but again, nothing was nothing was against God. Nothing was against. It was more just personal preference on some stuff. And he said, "You know what? I'm just going to leave then." And so he left. And then, of course, there were some people that loved him and left. The danger there is: I love Jeff and I love Peyton, but if God calls Jeff and Peyton somewhere else, and and five of you say we're leaving, shame on you, because you're not here to worship Jeff. You're not here to worship Peyton. You're here to worship God. All right, in the present. You're here to put yourselves before God Almighty. And it broke my heart to watch good Christian families walk away because of their their personal connection with people in ministry. All said and done, by the time everybody got done walking away, it took about five months, and we came into the summer. There were 40 people at Huntsville Christian Church. I was like, man, that's awesome. All right, God, we're in the wilderness now, (laughs) right? I said, okay, what are we going to do there? And I remember we, we had different people come in to share, to encourage us, but everybody preached the same message of you're hurt and you're wounded and, and all this stuff, and, and Mitzi, again, because she's wise, and she's amazing. She came to me one Sunday after we heard basically the same message by a different preacher, and she said, something's got to happen. I said, you're right. So we began praying about what that something was. Now, what you need to know about me is I had no intentions of ever being in preaching ministry. My degree is in youth and family ministry and I have an emphasis on family counseling I took one preaching class. It was speech from the pulpit It was one semester. Come on. Did you get that one? Did you have that? One semester of speech from the pulpit. That was the class I didn't take hebrew didn't take greek didn't take hermeneutics, didn't take any of that stuff because I was in youth ministry I love families and I love kids and I wanted to give I didn't want kids to have to put up with some of the dysfunction and if, if people could learn from my mistakes I was all in I was going to be in youth ministry forever. We make plans. God laughs, right? <laughs> we begin praying about it. And you have to be careful when you pray, God, what would you have us do? When you tell God something needs to be done and you're the one standing there, right? You're still there. Everybody else is left. There's a few bruised up elders, you know. Hey, something needs to be done. What would you have us do? Because when you pray something like that, God just might choose you to do that something. Man, our hearts were broken. Our emotions were raw. The uncertainty was deafening. We'd never been in a situation like this. And I remember thinking, in a time where there is no vision, the people will perish. And during that time, Mitzi and I would confront the past to try to make sense of the present. How did we get here? Where did the wheels fall off? And we cried together. We loved loved on our people. We hurt together. But it's not the end of the story because we prayed together and we continued praying. And we still do. Lord, what would you have us do? It's a prayer that our leadership team prays all the time. What would you have us do? And by the end of the summer, a plan began to form. Pieces began to fit back together. And much like Jeff called me to preach here, they looked out for some dynamic people. Couldn't find them, but there I was. (laughs) They said, well, I guess we can let you preach. (laughs) And so, so there it is. And I transitioned from youth minister to preacher. Others stepped into volunteer roles. I don't know what roles are needed to be filled here, but maybe it's time you started stepping in to some volunteer roles in the present to prepare for the future because in the past people did the same thing so you could be here today. Slowly we began working our way out of that present wilderness and we rebuild, we, we would rebuild together and, and as a church we were praying for God's will and his leading. We had some men step up and join our team of elders and I'll be honest with y'all uh, and I didn't share this with, with your leadership team last night but at, at the time some of the men that, that were stepping up were spiritually bruised They were exhausted from what had just taken place because some of them had lifelong friends that walked away just because they didn't want to go through the process again. But these men came alongside myself and Mitzi and their brothers, and it was like 12 fresh springs and 70 date palms, right? I'm like, I don't know where we're going, but good, I'm not going there alone now. We got something. They're refreshing, they were encouraging in the work, and there was a lot that we needed to learn. We've been learning it together was a lot that needed to be done like some of our brothers and sisters walked away I actually had people tell me well you know you're not going to survive without our tithe i said something you should know about me is i know a couple of realtors and i'll put the sign in the yard myself and we'll find a smaller place to go worship after we sell this 20 acres i was like come what but that was the mindset of people do this without me folks god can do a lot more without you than sometimes then he'll do with you because we get in the way yes. and he's gonna move whether we want him to or not he's gonna be honored whether we want to honor him or not he's gonna lead our god said no way he said through his people he would sustain his church and at one time our lowest number was 35 people and that was for about four months and we never missed a payment we never missed a bill i don't know where all that money came from yeah, oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's true. I do know where that money came from. <laughs> we like, manna. I would talk with the treasurer, and, and we did. We had long conversations. He said, hey, anything that's not essential, don't get it. You know, I mean, we were smart, and we, we did stuff. But it really was. Every week, every month, we got to the end of the month. He said, well, we made it. That's all right, let's do it again. Come on. Our God said no. I say all that to share this with you. In our darkest hours, in our deepest hurts, God didn't lead us with a pillar of fire. But there's no doubt in my mind that he led us through that present wilderness. And now we went went back to the basics of what he revealed to us in his word that the church should be. We focus on discipleship. We focus on being mission partners and not just throwing money at something. And we focus on our community. that's, That's what we decided to do. And like Ezekiel, accepting that call from God to be on the watchtower to look for coming doom and to prepare the people to speak when no one else would, that's what we did. We had people step up in our wilderness. We had people step into things they had never done before. We have people that said, I don't know how to teach, but we need some teachers. If you'll show me how to do it, I'll do it. Man, that was cool. We we learned things. We made mistakes. We still make mistakes. Hey, newsflash, spoiler alert. Jeff, Peyton, your elders, your deacon, they're going to make mistakes because they're human. And they will let you down. But I promise you're going to let them down too because that's what happens when we're real. It's what happens with family, right? But listen, when it comes to the church, the church is the bride of Christ. And I know know Jeff will fight for her. I know he will love her. I know he will do his part to get her ready for the wedding day. And I believe you all will as well because of this wilderness period that you may go through, whether it's personal, whether it's for the congregation. Maybe it's your community. Your community may be hurting with something. It happens often. But I know at Huntsville, we are different people and we are a different church than we were 50 years ago. At Cross Plains, you are a different church than you were 96 years ago. You haven't reached the promised land yet. When you look back at your past, wilderness times, celebration times, losses, you made the comment about, well, no more people out there than you know in here. And we mourn them. But there's victories too because of them. There's victory in Jesus I think you can see how in our present, because of God, hopefully you love deeper. Hopefully you hold each other accountable better, that you're beginning to purposefully reach into your community, disciple each other better with the love of Christ and transforming power of the gospel. In your present every day, will you strive to be a better reflection of Christ than you were yesterday? All right? As I said, you're, we're not perfect, but you're not done yet either. All right. You may still have a long way to go to get to the promised land, but make no mistake, the God that led the Israelites out of slavery through the wandering had a promised land in store for them, and he has a greater place prepared for us. And we'll get there one day. I'm a movie buff. I watch all kinds of movies. Some are good, some are bad. Some I'll never watch again. Some I'll watch about halfway and turn it off. But I watched this movie. Some of you may be familiar with it. If you are, don't judge me, but it was called The Blues Brothers. Come on. Couple of ex-convict, wannabe musicians trying to raise money for an orphanage that they grew up in. And any time they were asked about their work, they had a standard response. They said, we're on a mission from God. And they, they always said it. And they believed it, right? And the very idea that these two inept, unworthy human beings could be on a mission from God was the central joke of the whole story. No matter what they, why are you doing this? We're on a mission from God. So they said, we're on a mission from God. We're putting the band back together. Why? We're on a mission from God. Hey, that's the story of your life, Christian. It's the story of your past, your present, your future. Cross planes, you're on a mission from God. God's calling you. And let me be clear here. His calls are not exclusive to just the pastor or just the missionary or just the elder. His call is is to the plumbers and the managers as well. He calls the electricians, he calls the doctors, the lawyers, the farmers, the teachers, the chemists, the salespersons, the housewives, grandparents. He calls some to serve their country, some in secular jobs, others to sacred vocations. But the thing is, a calling is not something that's reserved for those that are just going into full-time Christian service. We don't hear much about calling anymore. People don't like talking like that these days. Because our society, we're educated, so in terms of career, a calling is something God chooses for me. A career is something I choose for myself. I don't know what your career is, but I know what your calling is. A career promises status, money, power, retirement. A calling generally promises the opposite, (laughs) difficulty, suffering. But it's a mission. It's an opportunity to be used by God. If you're a Christian, I don't care what your career is. I know what your calling is. Your calling is that you're on a mission from God. And he's going to use you in that career, in that school, in that place of business. Careers are about upward mobility. Callings generally lead downward mobility. Career ends with retirement and lots of toys if you do it well, right? A calling, it's not over until the day you die. So When you think about your present calling every morning, The rewards of a career are visible. Your house, your car, your vacation home, whatever. The results of a calling may never be noticed or seen by anybody else on this earth. But God sees it and God knows. When I think that ministry requires a calling and that marketplace is choosing a career, here's the thing. You can turn a ministry into a career. That's unfortunate.